Okay, so today I have with me um, my professor and filmmaker, um, Rana Kaskez. She is um, most uh, well-known for her film, uh, Maria Nostrum. And that film is amazing. If you haven't watched it, um, all I have to say about it is that it's one of my favorite short films that I have ever watched. And um, I think um, Professor Rana's like artistry and directing and way she communicates with um, using film is so unique. And I don't know how she is with taking compliments, but um, I just want to say that. Um, Okay, so, hello, Professor. Hi, Hamad. (laughs) (laughs) How are you doing today? I'm very touched and overwhelmed by what you just said. I'm really... um, um, You changed my day. Thank you. (laughs) Of course. Uh, You continue to change my days, honestly, with with, uh, your teaching and your your ability to really get someone passionate about whatever it is you're, you're teaching. I mean, you have a way of communicating, I think, that is very unique to you and a teaching style that really sticks with you. And, like, I can I tell this to everyone, actually. Like, I, I almost, like, force people to take your classes. But, um, yeah, I mean, ever since my freshman year, I mean, you were my first... Um, um, like fil- actual film practical teacher in my freshman year, and um, it really like made me passionate about the subject. I remember when you walked into class. <laughs> I think you missed the first yeah. day of class, um, or even the first week. You might yeah. have missed the first, week, missed of, the first week of class, and I was um, what a wonderful surprise to have met you and to have finally had you in class. It's Thank been you. delightful ever since. Thank you. Okay, so I wanted, um, <clears throat> I wanted the um, like main subject of this like podcast to be um, how it feels to be an Arab creative struggles, the privileges, the um, like everything that comes with it. So uh, I have like obviously I have my talk points and stuff. But I want to talk about, like, you, yourself. Like, how does it feel to be an Arab creative, whether it is, like, director or, like, you know, a filmmaker? How do you identify? When I first realized at a very young age that I wanted to be a storyteller, I thought at first that it would be as an actor. And as I continued to pursue acting training and acting as a career, I learned two painful things. One was that as an actor, I was naive about thinking how much power or control I would have, particularly professionally, 
over which stories I was going to be able to tell. Um, I had a hard time figuring out what people would cast me as. Um, that could have been for a number of reasons, but I think that one of the reasons was because of my ethnicity, um, um, particularly this was you know several decades ago in the U.S. Um, and it wasn't there wasn't the sort of consciousness that there is now about how casting people of diverse backgrounds can make your stories more interesting. That's not the climate that I was in when I was pursuing this acting as a career. So I think the first thing I learned was that there wasn't really a need for me. And then two, that when I was cast, I was telling stories that weren't interesting to me. So then I started to think about, well, what stories could I tell? Um, and that's when I started to look to my heritage, um, being Arab, because I'm actually half, half Arab and half American, white American. And I started to realize that because I had an Arab name and I have Arab looks, well, this is probably the niche I'm going to fill as a storyteller or where I might have more success as a storyteller if that's where I was focused. And so I would say that once I started to focus on that, professionally things started to get much better for me. But they also started to get better for me personally because I felt more fulfilled. Um, and as you know from having me in class, what I hope to do, if there was one goal I had for any student at NUQ in the classroom, and by the time you graduate, it would be that you have an increasing understanding of your unique cinematic voice. And what that means to me is Hamad leaves here after four years understanding how Hamad tells a story in a way that no one else tells a story. And that is something that I continue to learn and continues to excite me. But I think that beyond just being an Arab creative, what it means to be in a creative industry is that you have to learn what your unique voice is. How do you add to an already inundated industry? What is your value? Exactly. I mean, part of the struggle I feel like with um, us, you know, being like in studying this field and, um, you know, watching movies as homework and um, reading these articles and, and all of that about the field that we eventually want to be in is how to kind of not be swayed so much by what this director is doing or this uh, cinematographer is doing and, and really digging deep and finding what we as individuals can bring to that and yeah for example Hamed from what you've shared in class you have a very rich internal life you have had a set of experiences that 
allow you to see the world in a certain way. That's a value to us as an audience. We want to know, we trust and believe in that Hamad has stories to tell and that because of what he has been through, experienced, believes that he is going to bring something unique now to the way in which he tells a story. Yeah. It's funny you say that because I was just like discussing that with my sister the other day. She was complaining to me about like how um, like one of my siblings wasn't really like seeing like the full story of what she was trying to tell. And she was like, they're not like getting it like you are. And I told her like, because me and my sister both really had like hardships. Whereas my other siblings, like, of course, they had their own struggles and stuff, but it wasn't the type that really, like, shakes you down. So I was like, you, can, you can't judge them for that, for not seeing it that way, because they haven't been through something that has completely, like, stripped them of, like, their, like, identity at some point, and they had to, like, see the world in a whole, like, different way. Which, like, that is also how I feel about, like, filmmaking because it's kind of like you really have to like get to the bottom of everything to the like core of everything and realize like put it all put it sometimes you need to put it into like black and white you know this makes me feel this specific emotion and that is what I'm trying to convey and if I feel like sometimes if it all gets jumbled up and and how you how you how you feel about like I don't know if what I'm trying to say is like getting through. It is. Um, so like, I mean like, it can't. You kind of have to be really clear with yourself how you feel about something, because if you don't, then it no one's it's not going to be clear for everyone to see. Absolutely, and that that self investigation, that profound look that you have to take in the mirror and see yourself and what you've been through. And as you said, especially if you've gone through an experience where you feel like you've had your identity ripped from you and you have to slowly rebuild yourself, that's really hard and painful work. And what's moving to me about storytellers who are willing to do that work is that you are doing that for us. You are seeking the depths of your soul, looking for answers, trying to understand your emotional life. And as you do that and create a story that brings us on a journey that allows us to do that, that's, that's what you allow us to do, to do as an audience, is you bring that, you bring us your depth. And in a way, yeah. it connects with our own. But we didn't have to go through the years of... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I wanted to talk about the like struggles and trials of being taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, maybe like with your experience, maybe as a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, generally as an, yeah. an Arab in the field. Yeah. <laughs> How does that... Yes, I mean, it's sad to say and to have to repeat it, but it is true that when you are female, there is 
an assumption or a suspicion that perhaps you are not going to be as good of a filmmaker as a man would be. Um, and that if you are an Arab, you might not be as good of a filmmaker as a non-Arab would be, or that because you are Arab and female, that means that you can only tell a certain kind of story and not the kind of story that you are meant to tell because of your unique cinematic voice. So um, I, I still struggle with that. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, I co-direct with my husband. And um, he knows how hurtful and frustrating it can be for me to feel that um, although he and I are on equal footing, that we're not often treated equally. Yeah. Okay, how does, I've always wanted to ask you this, but how does it feel to co-direct with your husband? Um, at times it's a really beautiful experience, and at times it's not. Mm -hmm. um, at times I'm glad we do and at times I wish we didn't yeah does the vision get mixed up um, it not all of the time but sometimes and when it does it's not that the vision gets mixed up it's that you have different visions of certain scenes mm -hmm. especially in the editing room I'm noticing that the artistic differences or visions that we have of a scene, for example, um, I noticed that it's highlighted more in the editing room than it was during production, for example. Okay. I wouldn't say that there were necessarily, although there were the moments in production where we differed could be there was there was a solution because it was well let's shoot it your way and let's shoot it my way mm -hmm. but now when you go into the editing room you have to choose one yeah exactly and so um there's been more conflict in the mm -hmm. editing room and not always but when it's there it's not easy yeah you mentioned like how as an arab woman there's like a specific story that you're expected to tell or that um yeah uh yeah and these like like the stereotypes that w we yes. have are can you talk about that yeah i mean there is somehow um the world has embraced um the idea of the oppressed arab female mm -hmm. um and whereas there is oppression of Arab females, and it is a worthwhile topic, and will continue to be, mm -hmm. unfortunately, for probably for many years to come. Um, and although, for example, I do have a film in which I will talk about that theme, um, the I what what troubles me is that the vision of the oppressed Arab female is perceived as being much worse or harsher than the oppression of females elsewhere in the world. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't seem fair or just. Um, as I, you know, I've spent a lot of time growing up in the US. I've worked a lot with in Europe. Um, and there are things that I see happening in both of those cultures 
in French culture and in American culture that are unacceptable. Mm-hmm. And, the, and like, kind of those cultures are like almost glorified for their advancement, advancement yes. and freedom, especially yes, exactly that like we kind of don't have here. And usually, like, and what amazes me, honestly, being here is that most of the stories that I read from uh, Arab females don't include oppression. I mean, we have like three comedies in our class alone. And in screenwriting class, there was barely like women want to tell stories that don't make them the victim Mm -hmm. most of the time. Mm -hmm. And unless that is a message you're trying to show and Mm -hmm. that is like, you know, what you want to talk about, it really shouldn't be like the blueprint for what an Arab female should make. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to take a little break here and I'll continue after the break. I'll see you guys in five seconds. Okay, so we're back. Um, back with um, my professor, Ms. Rana Kazkez. Um, yeah, so I'm ready to talk about what I really wanted to talk about in this podcast. Um, how to kind of break out of your comfort zone hmm. as specifically like an Arab creative or how do you find your like voice as mm. you know someone with not that like typical experience that people have mm. um it's a loaded question honestly like i'm sorry to like spring this up on you like where do you find the courage to tell certain stories or yeah or like like step out of what's like, expected of you Kind of. Um, I think um, or not maybe how to, yeah, but when you're you, like your take on that. I mean, it gets easier the older you get because I think you um, are just eager to mm-hmm. tell the stories you want to tell. Um, I think one thing I've often thought is that, um, you know, I've always loved learning and I continue to learn and I take workshops or I train or I go do this lab or whatever, or, you know, seek out a mentor. Um, I'm a huge believer in failure. I think failure is enormously important and I've learned that the hard way. Um, I've failed at several things in my life, personally and professionally, and um, once I got through the failure, they always made me better, um, personally and professionally. Mm-hmm. And I think what I wish is that. I wish that there had been times I feel like when I've failed personally, I I have really wonderful parents 
and I have lovely siblings, and I think that their love and support has been crucial in my ability to get over personal failure. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting over a professional failure has been harder because I think this industry judges very harshly. So even when I would attend a lab or a workshop and try something and it failed, um, even though they would say, this is a place to fail, this is a place to experiment, I didn't feel like it really was. Yeah. I felt that in the end when I failed, I was judged harshly for it. and. Um, dismissed Mm -hmm. and then it just made it harder to try to come back Mm -hmm. um i think what i see in my students is that i see first of all i see a lot of talent i mean i'm overwhelmed by how much talent i see i was just in a class this morning for directing the camera and they were bringing in their their dailies And I was amazed at the artistry of the camera shots and the way in which the students were very much already um, very sophisticated in their approach to the camera. Um, They're willing to experiment with a certain kind of shot, how well they were choosing shots based on the story that they were trying to tell. Mm -hmm. Um, But, and I also think that in classroom, I'm amazed at how good the stories are, how worthwhile they are telling, and how much courage Mm -hmm. they have in wanting to tell them. But the difficulty is in the execution. Yeah. And what troubles me is that it's not just, for privileged people, the execution is about the artistry, it's about the technical execution. But here, what I feel that oftentimes the greater hurdle is just the societal pressure of Mm -hmm of of a student not knowing if there will be consequences um to what they're trying to say exactly and that troubles me like it's it's uh it's real you know like it's 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 very much like the first thing that people think about is not like how much money will this uh need how much uh, how many like crew how it's like what will people think of this and I feel like when it's kind of problematic that the first thought in your head is, what will people think of this? And uh, it kind of gets to a point where if you do want to make it, you kind of have to like throw that out the window. You're like, I really don't care like what people say. Which is easier said than done. Easier said than done, of course. Even even like personally with the podcast, like. Um, I, it was like tough for me to like start it because I was like, I don't know how my family is going to feel, even though my family, thank God, they're very like supportive and, and, uh, you know, um, open-minded to creative ventures. That and helps stuff. enormously. It does. And, um, and, but so far, like all my guests have been female and even that it's kind of like, I'm like, Someone is going to make a comment about that at some point. But that's because, like, they're, like, my guests are the people that I feel like 
I want to have, and if they're all female, they're all female, and if, you know, there's one guy in there, then sure, but, um, yeah, like, it, it, it feels like it's kind of always at the back of your mind, like, what are people gonna say about this, or how they're gonna take it, and, yeah. And, yeah, and if you don't have a family that will support you, then the consequences for some people is that they don't have a family anymore. Mm. And that's, um, that's real. Mm. That's tough. But I think that what I hope, my hope, is that for those students that are having a hard time figuring out whether or not they can tell a story or mm-hmm. what the consequences might be, what I hope is that if and when they ever decide to have children of their own, that they will make a different choice. Yeah and allow and be the parent for their child that they wished they had had. Yeah. So I always, I always like, I always think that and I always like say that because it's, it's kind of like, it's unfair in the sense that you didn't ask for your like nationality, the place you were born, the family you're in. And you also didn't ask for that spark in you to tell a story or or go do something, you know, that kind of comes to you. If you go, if you honestly, like, I, I'm fully with the point that if you go looking for it, you kind of won't, like, succeed in it. Because with stuff like this, it's kind of like, you know, it just hits you and you're like, okay, let's do it. And you do it and it's just out, you know? And I feel like the the easier it is, the more like it's kind of your like the more it's going to succeed, I feel like. Because as soon as it hits you, you kinda have to, you know, submit to it in a way. But How about you, Hamad? Where do you get your courage from? I mean I've I've been through a lot. I I don't know, like, even, like, saying, like, I didn't ask for half of the things that I've been through is, like, an understatement because I really, like, don't know what, like, how I, I went through what I went through. And I also don't know how I'm up and, and moving and, mm. and coming to university, you know? Like, if, if me from two years ago even got a glimpse of me now oh my god they would like it would be a shock you know even even my mom like to this day like she she just she's like you know i was thinking and my my mom does this thing where like she kind of blocks out my memories Mm. and something happens and it like triggers her back to those times she's like you know, I completely forgot about wow. that. You know, like I completely forgot about it, even though at the time we were like, it was the toughest thing that we both had to go through. And it's like my mom, my mom was like, like there the whole time. Mm. And I, I got like, I got treatment abroad and stuff, and I stayed there for about a year and a half. My mom never came back to Qatar. Uh, Qatar. It was just my dad going back and forth. She stayed with you. Yeah. And it's kind of like, during that time was my kind of aha moment where I was like, 
someone needs to hear what I have to say, you know, because I was so quiet and so like secluded in my environment. I kind of I don't I don't know if it's, this is like my ego wanting to like be like this me me me, but it was it was very much a a point where I was like خلاص, you know, like I need to I need to say something, you know, I need to say something and the script I wrote in in screenwriting class um my like sophomore year was about uh was about a disabled son mm-hmm. and how his mom was taking care of him mm-hmm. and she didn't want any help and basically what happened was she falls and breaks her leg mm-hmm. so when she breaks her leg she is forced to ask people for help and that's like the the, the conflict that goes on is because she can't do it amazing and when i wrote it i was like it's the story that i wanted to tell like whatever but then you know how like you kind of make people like dig into what their story is really about mm. i did that for myself i was like whoa mm. there's so much to unpack in my like story that i was like is this like reflective of like me yes yes of course <laughs> it's kind of like stupid not to think that because when i made my like like best friends read it they're like is this like a like autobiography like what is this and i, I was like what and then it clicked for me and i was like huh maybe it is ah, la, 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 la. but yeah you know it's like it's it's kind of يعني, you kind of don't ask for this it just given to you and you choose what to do with it and and the the problem with choosing i feel like choosing what to do with something is once you put it out there for the world it's kind of not yours anymore you're kind of you submit it to the judgment of the people or whatever like yeah how yeah. do you feel about um doing that like making something and then sending it out into the world like yeah i mean it's you do it with hope and fear at the same time you know mm-hmm. um i mean I'm, i'm getting ready to do that now we're gonna yeah. in about five or six months our film will be out in the world ready to be judged and um Um, yeah, I'm excited about it and also afraid of it. But like, do you ever have like... But no one's forcing me to do this. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's about, I mean, nobody's like saying, Rana, you must be a filmmaker. I'm the only one doing that. I mean, if I were to stop making films today, I don't think anybody would be begging me to continue, you know? Um... So, you know, it's, it's, you know, I have to, I mean, yeah. I'm the only one putting myself through this. Nobody else is forcing me to go through this yeah. ridiculous experience. How was it to, to, how was it to go from like your short to a feature? Yeah, um... 
it's been overwhelming mm-hmm. in every in many ways, personally and professionally, very overwhelming. Um, maybe the most challenging thing I've ever done in my life. Um, I think you you told us in class that you had like six hundred actors. Oh yeah, I mean there point. were I mean there were so many. It's I mean there's hundreds of people that came together to make this movie. Yeah. Um, that's very humbling, um, and also overwhelming to know that you know it's your vision that's on the line. But you know everybody's it's been a gay, it, the cast and crew have been amazing. Mm-hmm. Everybody did their job really well. Um, yeah. And um, I made mistakes along the way. Um, and I learned a lot. And um, I'm really proud of the film. I'm very, I'm looking forward to sharing it. It's also a very sad story, though. It's a very mm-hmm. tough story. As most. Yeah. Stories are. Yeah. (laughs) But this one's really hopeless. Mm. Even at the end, it's very hopeless. And um, so I'm also aware that I'm demanding a lot of an audience to be willing to sit for an hour and 45 minutes in a really hopeless experience. Mm. Um, I think that impacted me more than I thought it would have Mm. it's kind of like how you know actors say that sometimes they take the emotional baggage of the character Mm. home i feel like that also kind of if you wrote the story i mean yeah i did the 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 baggage is already kind of with you and it's like how do you but do you feel like right writing down something helps to like. You know, there was a one of our guests who came for the Media Majlis mm-hmm. um, Tuesday evening events was a screenwriter named Joelle Tuma. And she, I mean, she said it beautifully. She said she writes fiction because it helps her process her reality. Mm. I totally relate to that. I think, um, I think it does the same for me and probably does for a lot of people. That's why they do fiction. It helps them understand the reality all the more. Yeah. Um, I think the other problem with tackling Syria in this film is that it's an ongoing story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one that continues to be hopeless. It's not like the war is over and people have apologized and there's been some sort of recognition of events. I mean, that's not at all what's happening in Syria right now. It's it's just actually it's getting worse. Yeah. Um and um even though the translator, the feature film that we made takes place during the first few weeks of the Syrian revolution, which we did purposefully, it was to remind people that, you know, that although we know what Syria is today, what it was over eight years ago was something different. It was millions of people who thought hope um, would win. Mm -hmm. And it didn't. Um, So that, that, all of that has been, 
all of that's been very hard. I shouldn't be surprised that it's been so hard, but yeah. that's taken a toll. Yeah, of course. Um, let's talk about like any, any like advice or last words you have. For yeah, I think what I what I wish NUQ students would do um, is I wish there was some kind of filmmakers alumni network. Mm. NUQ Filmmakers Alumni Network because after transitioning from university life into non-student life mm-hmm. is a difficult one and as you brought up with your friend for example it's going to be hard for some people to figure out where their creative life can exist mm-hmm. um, after they graduate, but also where are they going to get their courage from? Because I imagine students are getting a lot of courage from one another. And I think if there was some kind of filmmakers alumni network, my hope, my feeling would, would be that you would hopefully get, continue to gain support Yeah. From for your storytelling, for your courageous storytelling and finding resources, working with one another. Because I think, I mean, my guess is that in about 10 years, there's going to be graduates of NUQ that are going to be recognized for making remarkable international films. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, it's kind of like... I mean, the other day I was telling uh, my friend, I'm like, NUQ students, like, they can't be stopped. Like, I've seen them, like, work on film sets, on stuff that, like... It's kind of like, wow, you know, they're working on on this film set and they're actually going forward and doing what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And e- even our even our like freshman batch, they're going out, <laughs> they're going out and like actually um, putting themselves out there. Because I feel like kind of the point of 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 studying here, at the end of the day, is learning to really, you know not be shy, not be like, to really try to communicate with the world in a better way at the end of the day. And I'm, I'm so moved at when I see how, for example, how freshmen embrace, are embraced by seniors mm. and vice versa. And you know, that freshmen are working, freshmen, <laughs> sophomores, juniors, seniors are all working on the same film. Yeah. And there's this, there's this feeling that I see that knowledge is getting passed on mm-hmm. to each subsequent grade level by the students to their fellow students. That's amazing to watch. Yeah, it is actually. Especially on like the twenty Q sets. Totally. It's 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 insane to watch. It's it's like you see like the camaraderie that goes on. Oh my gosh. Is 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 very like harmonious. It is. Okay, Professor, I'm I think I'm going to end the episode here. Thank you so much for doing this with me and for, you know, sharing your thoughts and your wisdom. I'm so grateful you asked me. I'm so grateful I got to spend this time with you you because I think it will just, you know, we now we have that experience with each other and that's really beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, Okay, guys, I'm going to end it here and have a great day. Bye.